Happy Easter, Christ Point. Uh, when I was a little kid, I used to go to church on Easter Sunday with my family. We'd get all dialed up, all dressed up, and the pastor would stand in front of the congregation and say, He is risen, and then everyone would respond. I'm just going to kind of take it on faith that you responded, but uh, He is risen indeed. And so today we celebrate our risen Lord. We celebrate the fact that Jesus defeated death. As I was leaving the house this morning, my oldest son looked at me and said, Dad, don't just preach an okay message this morning. Preach a great message this morning. And I laughed and thought to myself, hey, no pressure. But the more I thought about it, I thought, you know what? This is the greatest message that can ever be preached. The Easter message is a message that is transformative. It will change and shape your life. And so my prayer is that God might do that uh, this morning. So uh, that doesn't just happen. And so let's pray and ask for God's help. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for your victorious son, Jesus. Thank you that he defeated the grave, that he is alive, and he offers hope in life to those who believe in him. I pray this morning or this afternoon or this evening, whenever these words are heard, uh, that they would take root in the hearts of your people. Would you form and shape us, breathe life into us, give us your hope your joy, and your peace. And I pray that you would do it uh, for your name's sake. God, we love you. We thank you so much that you have loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Well, I am not an economist. I'm a pastor. Uh, and so what I'm about to say to you right now, just take with a grain of salt. Uh, but I have noticed lately that there seems to be a supply and demand problem in our world. Now, I don't understand all the ins and outs of how this happened or why it happened. I, I certainly, like you, uh, can connect a few of the dots. But I have lived out this supply and demand problem uh, in, in some significant ways over the course of the last few weeks in particular. Uh, I have gone to uh, the grocery store legally, totally legally, uh, a couple times over the last three weeks, and I have noticed this supply and demand problem. Like, I go to the grocery store uh, with my wants, with my demands, and they're all... Um, they're all basic. I don't think any of them are unrealistic. Like I want or even demand things like milk, uh, red meat. I love meat. Chicken. I'm even willing to have some chicken. Uh, bread and uh, two-ply toilet paper. Uh, they are wants, their desires, their needs. Dare I say it? They are even demands. Uh, but when I walk in, there seems to be a supply problem. Like, I'm starting to think that there are other people in our community that want the same thing as I do. And so it seems as if there is a supply and demand problem that all of us are experiencing right now. Well, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that there has been a supply and demand problem since the beginning of time. As a matter of fact, if you were to read God's Word, if you were to read through the pages of Scripture, you would read about a supply and demand problem. You would read about the demands that a holy and righteous and good God places upon His people, and you would see 
time and time and time again that God's people oftentimes lack the supply of what God demands. This year, I've been reading through the the first handful of books in the Old Testament. They're called the Pentateuch or the Law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And I can't tell you how many times I've found myself reading through the pages of Scripture, thinking to myself uh, time and time again that God, uh, who is our creator, he's righteous and good, he places uh, expectations or demands on his people, a way that he wants them to live and operate in the world. And the craziest thing happens time and time and time again. God's people, humanity, Uh, fail to live up to the demands that God places upon their life. Now, maybe you hear the word demand and think to yourself, James, that that, that sounds a little bit harsh, that, that God would demand something of his people. Maybe that conjures up in you this picture of a God who is an angry God and demands of his people. But when you think about it, all of us have expectations or desires or demands in our relationships with one another. If you're a parent, then you probably have some demands on your kids. Like maybe you, you demand for them to brush their teeth when they wake up in the morning and have dragon breath. Uh, maybe you demand that they uh, not have uh, large amounts of sugar all throughout the day and then shortly before bedtime. Uh, maybe you have demands on them not to play video games until their eyeballs fall out. Now, all of us as parents have demands on our kids, and these demands don't go away as we get older. In fact, in many ways, we have more demands on us. Uh, if you're working right now, then your boss or your superior or your manager or uh, the owner of your company may have demands on you, expectations that he or she wants you to meet. If you're in a relationship, if you're dating or married, then you probably have experienced some of these expectations or demands that someone you know and love has upon you. Well, the God that made us, that created us, that dreamed us up, he has holy and righteous and good demands on his creation. These demands, Scripture really calls commands. Uh, We read all about them throughout the Bible. Uh, Probably uh, most familiar to us are the Ten Commandments, God's demands on how we as a people are uh, to live. But if you've uh, lived life long enough, then you probably have realized that uh, we, we don't always measure up to the demands that God places on us, and that's probably a kind way of putting it. Oftentimes, we, we fall short. We, uh, we sin. Sin is anything that we do against God in word and thought or deed that falls short of his desire for our lives. And so we find ourselves in this bit of a predicament. Uh, God gives demands, commands on his people, and we try to fulfill them. We try to, to live out what God has commanded, but time and time and time again, Uh, we fall short. And so uh, today, uh, we find ourselves wrestling with what does it look like for us to be rightly related to a holy and just God that has 
expectations or commands or demands uh, from his people. We, we, as a people, we can try to, uh, to earn from God. We can try to restore our relationship with God by uh, following his commands and his demands for our life. But, well, you know, that, that doesn't work for long. As a matter of fact, Scripture teaches us that uh, our relationship with God isn't restored because we're perfectly obedient to God's law. As a matter of fact, God's law serves as a mirror that's held up to us so that we can see our own brokenness and our own sin and our own need. The Apostle Paul, who wrote a number of the books in the New Testament, was someone who had radically been changed by Jesus. And he wrote to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, and says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. In other words, the more that we grow to know God's demands or commands, on our life, the more we realize how woefully short we truly do fall of God's desire. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, geez, for Pete's sake, James, it's Easter, right? How about a message of encouragement? What happened to that great message that your son told you to preach? Well, I want you to know uh, the best news that you will ever hear is yours today. Because what God demands, God supplies. What God demands, uh, God supplies. And he does that in and through uh, the work of his perfect son, Jesus. And so today I want to, uh, to point out, to show you, the beauty of his son, Jesus. And I want to do this by looking at a passage in the book of Philippians. Uh, you may have been following along with us over the last few weeks, but we find ourselves in Philippians chapter 2 this morning. It is this beautiful poem uh, that points us to the finished work of Jesus on the cross. As a matter of fact, you could argue that the whole book of Philippians revolves around this passage in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, Philippians is a book that was written to the church at Philippi. Uh, it's written by the Apostle Paul. He's in prison while he writes it, and so he's experiencing persecution for the gospel. Uh, the people in Philippi were uh, part of a Roman colony, and so they, they loved Rome. They were patriotic. They, they loved the place that they were from. And so uh, Paul, in many ways, faced some challenges in writing to the church and telling them, um, there is another king that God calls you to follow. And it is not Caesar. It is Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, and I want to look uh, at verses 5 through 8, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. And I want us to be reminded today that what God demands, God supplies. Paul writes to the church at Philippi and says, I have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, 
even death on a cross. Uh, so again, I want to show you the beauty of Jesus in this passage, and I want to point out just four things that we see uh, right off the top. Uh, I want you to notice that Jesus did four things. He emptied himself, he humbled himself, he submitted himself, and he sacrificed himself. Jesus emptied himself, he humbled himself, he submitted himself, and he sacrificed himself. Notice first that Jesus emptied himself. Verse 6, Paul says, Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Jesus existed uh, for all of eternity in the majestic form of God. He shared in the glory of God since the beginning of time in his high priestly prayer, Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, verse 5, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So Jesus, since the beginning of time, for all of eternity, shared in the glory of God. He was clothed with his Father's glory forever and ever. When Paul says that uh, he was in the form of God, it does not simply refer to the fact that Jesus looked like God in terms of his appearance. Instead, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 tells us he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Notice that Christ is not a mere reflector of God's glory. He is the radiance. He is the one who radiates the glory of God. And so Paul is not simply saying that Jesus looks like his father, like we would look at a newborn baby and ask, hey, who does, who does that child look like, his mother or his father? I, I've joked before, but this is a question that my mom always asks me uh, when I share with her that a baby has been born. Uh, she will always say, does he look like his mother or his father? And I will think to myself, I have no idea. Like, he looks like a baby. He or she is, like, squishy and chubby and, and cute, and, and he has a little fur on his back that I'm sure will grow darker as he gets older. But I, I look at him, I'm like, I don't know if he looks like his mother or father. He looks like a baby. Well, here Paul is not saying that Jesus looked like his father. He's saying that he shared in God's glory. He radiated the glory of his Father. And so Paul says in Philippians 2 that Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. This idea of, of not holding on to equality with God uh, means that Jesus did not see his position as being a means of power. Jesus did not see his position as a means of power. Instead, he saw it as an opportunity to humbly descend to his people in service. This is so unique. We oftentimes use our position in life as a way to use power over others or people, or we see our position in life is, is a way of attaining or grasping or getting something that we want or desire. And yet when we look at the life of Christ, he did the exact opposite. 
He emptied himself, and Jesus emptied himself, and in emptying himself, he humbled himself. Verse 7 of Philippians chapter 2 says, But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. The humility of Christ is seen in the service of Christ. The humility of Christ is seen in the service of Christ. I love Mark chapter 10, verse 35. It reads, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, Jesus came to serve. I wrote earlier this week that Jesus mastered the the whole my pleasure thing long before Chick-fil-A ever figured it out. Uh, He wrote the book on service with a smile. Jesus uh, gave more volunteer hours than a high school senior desperate to get into the college of their choice. He lived his life uh, serving others. And can I tell you something? You cannot know God unless you have experienced your need to be served by God. You cannot know God until you have experienced your need to be served by God. Now, maybe you hear that and you think to yourself, that doesn't sound right. right? There, there is something about that that even when you say it, you're going, wait a second. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean by us being served by God? Well, this is what uh, Jesus did in coming to this earth to live a perfect life and to die a sinner's death. He served those who were in desperate need. He served us who could never figure it out on our own, who could never do enough in and of ourselves uh, to earn favor from God. This is why the last moments of Jesus' life, he stoops down and washes the disciples' feet. And Peter, who was always you know, quick to speak and slow to think, like shouts out like, Lord, you're not going to do this to me. And Jesus said to him, listen, unless... Uh, unless I wash your feet, unless I wash your feet, if I do not wash you, then you have no share with me. Jesus was teaching Peter that you must be uh, served by me. You must be served uh, by God in order to enjoy the fruit of a relationship uh, with God. We see this all throughout the life of Christ. He uh, came uh, for the sake of of others. He spent his whole ministry life joyfully serving those that he met. Jesus, the one who ruled and reigned on high, stooped low to serve you and me. Jesus humbled himself, and he humbled himself by submitting himself. The humility of Jesus was seen in the submission of Jesus to his Father. Do you notice what Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 uh, say? It says, But Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Uh, we, we see the humility of Jesus in the submission of Jesus to his Father. Do you ever notice how um, submission marked the life of Jesus? It sounds strange in saying that, but Jesus at, at every turn was 
uh, telling anyone who would listen that he had come not to do his own will, but the will of him who sent him. I think of John chapter 4, verse 34, when Jesus says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus said, My longing and passion in life is to do the will of my Father. It is my food. It is what sustains me, this vision that Christ had to complete the work that God had given him to do. Even in the garden, when Jesus is preparing to go to the cross, he's praying to his father, asking God, hey, take this cup from me, yet not what I will, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus longed to submit himself to his father. Uh, That word, submission, is a word that stirs up so many different emotions and feelings within us. Maybe you are someone who has experienced that in a, in a negative way. Like maybe when you think of submission, you think of uh, someone who used their power and authority to crush your spirit. And so even when you hear that word this morning, there is something within you that thinks, I I do not want to submit myself uh, to anyone or to anything. I think there there is something within us, even as as Westerners, where we celebrate the individual, and there's something within us where we say, no one's going to tell me what to do. Like, we don't want to submit to anyone or anything. But this submission, submission that Scripture talks about, is not um, not something where we don't have an opinion. Uh, Submission is not ineptness. Submission is not weakness. Submission is not being walked all over. Uh, Submission is willingly and joyfully um, bringing yourself up under the ruling authority of a good and gracious God. This is what we see in the life of Jesus. He willingly submitted himself uh, to the will of his Father. You know, more and more as I live life, sometimes I think that life is not a matter of discovering what you don't know. It's simply submitting to what you do know. I can't help but wonder if God is not working in maybe your heart today, calling you to submit to something that you already know. Uh, He's already revealed it to you or shown it to you, but he's asking you, he's asking you to submit. Now, Jesus did that perfectly. Jesus emptied himself. Jesus humbled himself. And Jesus submitted himself to the Father. And finally, Jesus, we see here, uh, sacrificed himself. Jesus sacrificed himself. It says in verse 8, in being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, uh, even death on a cross. What God demands, God supplies. Uh, he demanded uh, perfection uh, to his commands. 
And Jesus supplied what God demanded. Uh, He literally gave his life as a sacrifice for your life and for mine. This is the good news of the gospel. This is the greatest message that you will ever hear. The scripture teaches us that God uh, created us. He made us in his image and he created us for a purpose. Your life is not aimless. God had a, a purpose in mind for you and that purpose for which he created you and me uh, was to exist for his glory, to, uh, to make much of him. But you and I uh, fall short of God's demand. Scripture calls this sin. A sin is anything that we do against God in word and thought and in deed. Because God is just, he cannot ignore our sin or kind of turn a blind eye to it or simply sweep it under the rug or to think, hey, it's not a big deal. Let's let bygones be bygones and just kind of go about your business. No, God is just, and so he must deal with our sin. But God is also merciful, and he is gracious. And so he sent Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, to live a perfect life and to die a sinner's death. Now, when, when Jesus was crucified, when he hung on the cross, he took the punishment that rightfully belonged uh, to his kids, to you and to me, and he uh, placed it upon uh, the shoulders of Jesus. Jesus was buried, but he did not stay in the grave. Jesus defeated death. He rose three days later. And when he defeated death, he offered and offers life to you and to me today for those who trust in him uh, by faith. This is the beauty of the gospel, that our relationship with God can be restored because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That is why uh, this morning we gather, or this afternoon we gather, or this evening uh, we gather. And we shout from the rooftops, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Uh, The beautiful thing about God's story is not only that God calls us to himself, but it is that God is restoring the world that he created. He is taking what is broken and what is fractured and what is crooked, and he is making it straight. He is taking creation and making it beautiful. God takes our hearts that at one time wanted and desired to have nothing to do with God, and he's forming and shaping us into the image of his son. He is breathing life into us as the people of God, and he is launching us out into the world to live lives changed for his glory. That is why Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. This is the beauty of living out the gospel, that as a people, we don't have to be turned in on ourselves. We instead can have eyes to see the world around us. We can look at others and count them as more significant than ourselves. We can look not only to our interests, but to the interests of others. One of the beautiful things that I have seen over the course of the last month is this lived out amongst our people. There is a temptation when the world goes sideways 
for us to hold on to what we have. It's so easy for us to think to ourselves, I must gather all of my resources. I must hunker down. I must protect myself. And yet one of the beautiful things I've seen over the course of of the last month is the people of God rise up, being moved by the Spirit of God to live out Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. I think, for instance, of uh, the Currants, Heidi Currant, a number of months ago before uh, it was illegal to see friends. I, I went over to the Currants' house, and I remember walking in their little side door, and I looked at uh, their, their long kitchen table, and my first thought was, huh, this is who has all of the groceries. Right? Their table was just stocked with non-perishable items. And um, I thought to myself, why do you keep on taking everything? Uh, But after doing a little bit of research, I found out that Heidi had uh, put out something on Facebook and encouraged uh, friends and family and people in the neighborhood uh, to donate supplies to a nonprofit in their area to bless them in their time of need. And when I saw that, that table full of food, I thought of Paul's words. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. I think of Noah Diamond, a student with Christ Point students who has a love for 3D printing, As you know, recent events have caused shortages of personal protective equipment across the world, and and our community is no different. And so Noah recently started printing 3D face shields uh, to donate uh, to those most in need. He started a GoFundMe page last week and asked people to donate so he could purchase another 3D printer because if he had another printer, he would be able to produce twice as many face shields as he was producing. I saw uh, people rally together to raise above and beyond what he needed to do that. When When I thought about one of our students doing that, I thought of Paul's words to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant as yourselves or than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but to the interest of others. I thought of uh, the Warrens, family from our church, who uh, gathered together Chick-fil-A gift cards uh, to give to the nursery workers Uh, at their great-grandmother's nursing home. Uh, Molly Grantham did a a brief story on uh, their act of kindness. When I saw the the picture and the little snippet on the news, I thought of Paul's words in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, that says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interest, but also the interest of others. I thought of of you, our Christ Point family, uh, who just this last month gave generously to a great organization in Charlotte called One Seven. Uh, One Seven is an organization that 
meets uh, some of the most significant and profound needs from a refugee community and a community um, that experiences deep poverty. Uh, David has been working amongst this community for the last 13, 12, 13 years. And uh, just recently, there was a homeless family that was able to uh, move into one of the apartments that they uh, oversee. And he wrote this note uh, to you, the Christ Point family, upon receiving a generous gift from you. He said, recently, a family from their after-school program found themselves homeless this past month. And because of the generosity uh, of you, uh, they have a place to live at 1-7. Thanks to the Christ Point Church family for giving financially uh, this month and helping this family in need. When I, when I think about that opportunity and countless others, I am reminded of Paul's words in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, when he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look not only to his own interests, but to the interest of others. This kind of life, this way of life is only possible because King Jesus emptied himself. He humbled himself. He submitted himself. And he sacrificed himself. What God demands, God supplies. And so as Paul writes to the church at Philippi, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise God and our risen Lord Jesus. He is risen indeed. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for uh, the finished work of Jesus. I thank you for his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his victorious resurrection. Lord, today we pause and we give thanks and we celebrate the victory that we have because of Christ. Lord, I pray if there is anyone who is listening to this message, to my voice right now, who does not have a relationship with Jesus, God, I pray that you would stir in their hearts a longing and a desire for you. I pray that you would pour in their hearts faith. I pray that you would remind them that they can have a relationship with you by faith in Jesus. Lord, for those who are searching today, I pray that they would uh, submit themselves to your good and perfect will uh, for their life. And God, we will be careful to give you all the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. River of living water, my burdens are sweet, and all my burdens are lifted. The shackles on my feet, they're so sound, louder than the captives that.
Many of you may be uh, listening to this message, wondering about uh, next steps. Maybe you've tuned in today and you are in desperate need of prayer. Maybe it's physically, maybe it's spiritually, maybe it's emotionally, but but you have come uh, face-to-face with significant needs in your life and you're desperate. Um, If that's you this morning and, and you are in need of prayer... I want to encourage you to send an email to prayer at christpoint.com, prayer at christpoint.com. We have a team who will pray for you. The elders will commit to pray for you. We really believe that God hears and answers prayers in spectacular and miraculous ways. Uh, And so if you have a prayer request, please email a prayer at Christpoint.com. I also want to encourage you, if you heard this message today and you believe there is someone who would benefit uh, from being connected with a local church body, then I want to invite you uh, to share it uh, with someone that you know and love. Maybe that means hopping on Facebook and uh, just sending out an invitation to someone to say, hey, uh, check this out. 
Maybe there's someone in your life that you've been wanting to ask to church, but you didn't know how or it felt weird. What a cool way to invite someone to be a part of what God is doing by just sending out an invitation. Maybe you are hearing this today and you would like to partner with what God is doing in and through the people at Christ Point. I'm so grateful to God for the generosity that our church family has shown, uh, not just this month, but over the years that we've spent together. We really believe that everything that we have belongs to God. And so uh, maybe this morning I want to invite you to partner with what God is doing in and through the people at Christ Point. Uh, You can go online uh, to do that to ChristPoint.com. Uh, backslash give or slash give, uh, or you can text to 84321, 84321. I, I pray that if that's you today, that God would allow you to experience the joy of generosity. Uh, maybe you're hearing this message and you are desperate to connect. You know, you, you just want, uh, like so many people, to belong. I want to encourage you, even during this unique and uncertain time when uh, we're doing so much of what we do online, I want you to know there are still ways for you to connect. Uh, You can be a part of a men's group or a women's group or a small group that's meeting. If you would like to do that or you'd like to for more information on how to take that next step, that I encourage you to send an email to info at christpoint.com, info at christpoint.com. May God bless you, and uh, I pray that I might be able to see you uh, next week at 1030. God bless.